Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. Our topic today is developments in the three largest international investor litigation cases. Our special guest is Peter Hansen, the chairman of Batea Class Action Services and Batea Global Litigation Research. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for the invite. Peter, we would appreciate it if you could elaborate on the developments in the three largest international investor litigation cases, namely litigation with Petrobras, Volkswagen, and the recent developments with Donsky Bank. It'd be of great interest to hear about those cases, their current status, uh, hear about the jurisdictional differences and how they impact the outlook of those cases and what investors have to do in order to be included in any future settlements or judgments. Peter, let's start with a quick overview of those three jurisdictions from an investor inclusion perspective, how they differ from each other and how they differ from the U.S. in general. Thank you. And that, that is a real good question, and, and there's a lot of confusion and uncertainty amongst institutional investors as to how to look at litigation in the U.S. and how to look at litigation abroad. So to summarize, and, and most people are starting to understand this, but just to summarize, in the U.S., we have what we call a class action system. Abroad, we generally refer to it as a collective action system. And they differ substantially in the sense that in the U.S., a law firm together with a single investor can file a complaint and become class counsel representing all investors that have held a security during the class period. In other words, a period where bad acts or bad information were in the market and securities traded at inflated prices before finally news came out that uh, such inflation had existed. And then we have a drop in the stock prices. So here in the U.S., investors can simply wait around for the litigation to end and there'll be a settlement and it will be offered out to every single shareholder investor that trade and held the securities in the relevant class period. In Europe, it's different. You don't get the luxury of automatically sitting in the back of the bus and waiting for a settlement and then you can join and file a claim. In all the European jurisdictions, you have to do something proactively. So for instance, in Germany where we have Volkswagen, it's a group litigation and you can have multiple groups where you need to, you could of course litigate on your own, but you typically will join a group that band together, uh, wrapped with financing and a legal coalition group that will litigate on behalf of the investors that join an action. So here you join the action, your losses are represented in the action, and ultimately, if there's a settlement or a judgment, only those people who joined the action will be able to participate in the payouts of that judgment or settlement. So you don't get to wait to see how it all goes and how the litigation ends. You actually must opt in. And in Germany, it's referred to as a cap move proceedings where there's a model plaintiff and various groups will be bundled together and only one person and one law firm will represent the interests of all the different groups and investors. In Denmark, which we'll talk about as well, you also have a group litigation. So the parties that own securities at the moment in Danske Bank or own securities as they suffered major losses to their share prices as a result of the money laundering must get together in one or several groups that will then be litigated in court as group litigations. You don't have the opportunity here either to wait to see the outcome and then automatically get paid. 
And so in both Germany and Denmark as an example, you must join before the expiration of the statute of limitation. And in those two instances, the statute of limitation, in both cases, three years. And often you see a deadline before that. That's because the groups, the commercial groups of lawyers and funders and other groups and investors, they need to understand how many people join the group and they need to get the complaint in in time. So you have two deadlines you're working with. In the Dutch environment, it's a little different. You can, of course, litigate similar style in Holland, but Holland is famous for its WCAM proceedings, which are really a law, which is really a settlement system where people, whether they litigated in Holland or in other jurisdictions, can actually come to Holland for a ruling, a class ruling, where the parties agree to a settlement and it becomes ruled on. And once it's ruled on, people can participate in that settlement. There are some caveats to that in the sense that it is possible during litigation that settlements occur if the litigation is in the Netherlands, that settlement might occur midstream and exclude the overall class, but only concentrate on those who get involved. So the message here is that when you look at Germany, Denmark, Netherlands, and the UK is the same, and other jurisdictions in Europe are the same, you have to proactively opt in. That means you need to understand the case, you need to sign an agreement, you need to sign paperwork, you need to deliver transactions to the litigating law firm to certify that you actually have losses. And you need to do all this inside the commercial deadline and inside the statute of limitation. Other than that, at a later date, you won't be able to assert your claim. So significantly different from the U.S., and it requires a lot more work for the investors to do, but it has been packaged up today, so the coalitions very much give the investor the same feel as a U.S. litigation where they don't have to do much, they just have to join. All these cases are always structured on a success fee basis where investors can sign up. They would end up just like in a class action in the U.S. The law firms get a certain cut, uh, and the investors funding it get a certain cut. It's typically 25%. Sometimes it's a little lower these days, and that pretty much mirrors the cost in a U.S. class action. You also pay the court awards 25% typically to the lead counsel or lead counsel and its co-counsel in a U.S. litigation. So it doesn't differ too much in that regard. You don't have risk of expenses, cost, or counterparty risk. It's wrapped all into the packages in these different jurisdictions. So, so the message here is investors have to pay attention when they learn of these cases. They must do something proactively to get included or they will not get paid at the end of the process. So that's the summary a little bit uh, in general, and then maybe as I speak about the individual cases, I can point out some specifics. Great. Thank you, Peter. So let's go through each of the cases now, and if you can give us a little background, overview in the current status of the case and whatever else you think investors should know about and pay attention to with respect to that case. So let's start with Volkswagen in Germany. Tell us a little bit about that case. Yeah, so that's obviously a very publicized case. We have all learned about the diesel emission cheat devices that Volkswagen started installing in cars as early as 2008. And we all learned how on September 18, in 2015, Volkswagen CEO Havinderkorn came out and told the public that the company had been subject to investigations by the EPA and they were likely to get fined and shared uh, quite a bit of other elements of information that caused the stock immediately to drop as much as 40% in the next two days. That case had started its first groups of litigation or litigation groups commenced 
within a year of the original disclosure, and it has moved forward at first in the lower district court in Brownswick. Now it's at the higher district court in Brownswick, and the hearings have now progressed. And the last hearing was on Monday, where the class counsel and uh, and, and defense counsel were making presentations and discussing with the court in Germany how one would look at the losses to investors. And that is very unique for people that are following this case because normally that would come at a later stage in a litigation. First, there would be litigation on the merits. And then if on the merits is a ruling that one party is wrong, in this case Volkswagen, then one would move to look at potential damages. Here, the judges have moved that discussion up very early. And one can speculate it's maybe to be advocates for an early settlement, that they're trying to see if the parties can look at each other and determine how far apart they might be in terms of losses. In the case in Germany, about 10 billion euros is so far represented. There will be a, a roundup group that is getting into it right now, and they have to get into it. They can get in via a company called ISAF. Uh, one can find them on a website, and there's a deadline mid-December, so it's still possible to join that action, but the statute of limitation will expire December 31st this year, after which point uh, the door has been shut. So what's interesting is this recent discussion of damages one should pay attention to that that has moved up real fast. And one should also pay attention to Volkswagen has been very quick to settle on the civil litigation with, with consumers that bought cars has settled $10 billion in that uh, area. They also settled the U.S. class for Volkswagen ADR shares traded on the New York Stock Exchange. It's a very small a subset of shares. It's like a little over 1%. And they settled for $48 million for damages at about $130 million. And if you take that number and extrapolate it, you'll find out it corresponds with a number that Volkswagen has taken down provisions on the balance sheet where they have about three and a half billion in reserve to settle securities litigation. So if one were speculating, one could say the settlement in the US per dollar of the 48 million against 130 million in losses very well mirrors what one could imagine might be a settlement in Germany for three and a half billion. Now, that will be argued a lot. The parties will fight each other. Uh, over the matter. But once the statute is done with, statute of limitations shortly, there's no reason why Volkswagen would not necessarily entertain at an early stage a settlement with the people that have filed. They're going to be looking at the quality of the claims. Some are the actual losses called inflation losses of the day of the 18th when September 2015, when, when the stock almost dropped 40%. So people had had inventory of holdings at that day are likely to get great consideration. Then there's other claims for previous periods that might be weaker, but the short and the long is it's possible that Volkswagen will examine as early part of this next year whether they are intending to hit for a settlement. They've certainly been fast in other areas, and with the statute of limitation behind them, there's no risk that other people pile on into the lawsuits. So we expect in that case, I expect personally that there'll be a settlement. I think it will be a good settlement. I think Volkswagen is going to move fast. And the people that are not in there should absolutely focus. The deadline is very real and get on board before the year end. And I think the commercial deadline is, is mid-December. So now is absolutely the time to report in if one has been reported in or one will be excluded uh, if there's a settlement and negotiated uh, next year. And if so, that will probably pay out the following year. I find it unlikely this case will go all the way through to uh, Supreme Court in Germany, in which case it could take many years to end 
unlikely. It's not the speed Volkswagen has been going with. It's a tangible settlement that can handle it. Their stock is back to almost where it was before this began. The company is moving on as fast as it can. So I think they'll settle. On the second case of Petrobras, Petrobras is, of course, a Brazilian company headquartered in Brazil, and their shares have been traded over the years in both Sao Paulo. And, however, they have been litigated against in the U.S. because they had a large class of ADR shares, and they have settled that in the U.S. for $3 billion. But they're also being litigated against in the Netherlands, and they are being they're entertaining arbitration in Brazil. And that is kind of a little confusing. The U.S. part is not so confusing. If you trade ADR shares and they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange it's what, in what's called a sponsored ADR program, then they're subject to SEC regulation, New York Stock Exchange regulation, and those shares can be litigated for in the U.S. jurisdiction where they were offered out to the market. The shares and, and, and bonds as well, for that matter, that was offered out outside the U.S. in Brazil uh, via the exchange here or via linked markets into Europe is litigated outside. Now, the company has taken the stance that investors should come to Brazil and come to arbitration at the stock exchange that has an arbitration panel. Uh, nobody is too excited about that. You know, this is a company that's half owned by the government. The CEO for the longs have been the chairman of both the exchange and Petrobras that has now recently changed. Uh, but the regulator of the exchange is the government, who, who is a big owner. And most people are very fearful based on various information that arbitration really is not going to work out in Brazil. It's sort of like playing a, a football game, a away game where maybe the referee also owns the local team. So there's some of that going on. So people have gone to the Netherlands instead, which is interesting because as it turns out, Petrobras Global Litigation Finance is headquartered in the Netherlands, Petrobras Oil and Gas, and a number of companies uh, owned by Petrobras as subsidiaries are in the Netherlands, and some of the fraud in the Petrobras matter has involved Dutch companies that have been filed by the Dutch government. Uh, you can also trade Petrobras shares via linked markets within the European Union that is somewhat subject to ESMA directives. So there's a lot of reason for why one could think that one could get jurisdiction over Petrobras in Europe. And in fact, that is just what has happened. So in the Petrobras case, the, the law firm in charge of the litigation in the Netherlands, Lemster and the courts, have been able to successfully convince the courts that there's ample basis for taking jurisdiction and litigating against Petrobras in the Netherlands. And the way it's structured there is there's a foundation uh, for damaged Petrobras. It's called a sticking foundation for damaged Petrobras investors that are litigating on behalf of investors that can sign up and support that foundation. So it's a foundation that are facing off with the court and are or have moved far down the road. And, and now uh, it's getting to litigation on the merits. And of course, those of us that have followed the case, you'll think it's a, uh, I don't want to say it's a slam dunk, but certainly you have people going to jail. It's a highly publicized fraud. Uh, investors suffer material losses. Uh, and we can see from the U.S. settlement of $3 billion, which is a smaller subset compared to the foreign amount of securities outstanding. It's a strong case. And we think and we hope for the investors it will go well in the Netherlands because it's a proper jurisdiction. And with that, the opportunity for a proper settlement and proper management of a settlement is, is very high. 
So we certainly like the outlook, uh, and we like uh, that they have turned the corner of winning the jurisdictional arguments, uh, but they still got more work to do. And we'll see whether Petrobras, in the same question as Volkswagen, will they settle? Will Petrobras move forward to a settlement in this coming year? And, and that will depend on maybe the next hearings, how strong or weak a position they find themselves in. On the last case, on your list is the Danske Bank out of Copenhagen, Denmark. So that's the newest case, and it, it is just literally starting, but it's been subject to much media attention as well. So the Danske Bank in 2007 bought a Finnish bank called Sample Bank that operated a couple of branches out of Estonia, and it has suddenly come out slowly in September last year and then more so and more so come out that the bank uh, allegedly engaged uh, heavily in money laundering on behalf of mostly Russian or Eastern European individuals with entities in those countries or with entities set up in other countries that would be receiving money flows coming out of Russia and other Eastern European jurisdictions. It has been highly publicized. The bank received warnings from the Russian Central Bank as early as 2007. They have received warnings from the Estonian police, the Estonian FSA, financial uh, supervisory authorities. They have also received uh, reprimands from the Danish authorities. But throughout the period, they seemingly downplayed everything. They had a whistleblower come out early on, on multiple occasions with very sharp criticism, and they suppressed uh, the allegations, everything. And of course, the reason for that is it was likely very profitable business, and, and therefore, they weren't so anxious to shut down the business. So you have a number of investigations there, similar to Volkswagen and, and Petrobras, where you have governmental investigations. You also have the US DOJ involved. Uh, approximately $150 billion were potentially uh, wired. The total assumed money laundering at the moment is 200 billion euros. That number could go up. I'll correct myself and say maybe half of that was US dollars. So the DOJ, the US Treasury is involved in looking at that. Danish authorities have filed charges against the bank. Uh, Estonian authorities are looking at it. Uh, British authorities are looking at it. As many companies in UK were recipients of some of this alleged money laundering. So there are governmental charges already. There are investigations. And then you have a group of law firms that include two US law firms, Pomerantz and Leif Cabraser. You have Tilt, the law firm out of Germany that is litigating the Volkswagen case, and Lemster and the course that are litigating in Petrobras. So you have some of the same big brand names in the other big litigations are involved now in filing a complaint in Denmark. So in that case, one can also join now the Danish litigation uh, by contacting those law firms, and there's a, a group packaging where people get in and, and can participate ultimately at a success fee at approximately 25% less. So the Danske and the Volkswagen and Petrobras are all similar in their organization in terms of how investors can join them. Volkswagen is far ahead in this litigation process. Uh, Petrobras is even further. Danske Bank is new, but they probably will all travel the same route. 
They're all group litigations. They all have governmental investigations associated with them and fines involved. Uh, Volkswagen has been fined. Petrobras has been fined. No doubt Danske Bank will be fined by the DOJ and other, uh, including Danish authorities. So there's a lot that speaks to strong cases, and it's going to be very difficult for any of these parties, Volkswagen, Petrobras, and Danske Bank, to get around the litigations around them and, and declare innocence, particularly considering the fines and the governmental findings that are also stacking up. Uh, so with that, my encouragement is to investors to proactively get involved. The one to really pay attention to if you're not in is Volkswagen, uh, but the two other ones, get involved, get the paperwork, see what it involves, and, and get included in lawsuit and stay informed. And and people like ourselves, we obviously publish research uh, that makes it easy. There's a lot in the press, but there's no reason to wait around. Sooner or later, you will be out of the loop and everything in all these cases are already on track. So I would pay attention. So those are my summary comments. Uh, I should mention in each of these cases, we're talking about billions of dollars of losses. You know, Volkswagen shares dropped 50 billion. The only 10 billion is represented in the case, but that's because the Porsche family, government, Qatar, government, Nita Saxon is not involved. Petrobras is also billions. Uh, Danske Bank lost 15 billion. It will be a soft set of investors here, but these are billion dollar lawsuits and they're available to U.S. investors and international investors to join. Well, that's a great summary. Uh, that concludes our program. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Peter Hansen of Batea Class Action Services and Batea Global Litigation Research. If you have any questions or comments regarding Peter's remarks or questions or comments on CII views on international shareholder litigation generally, please feel free to contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F, at CII.org. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening.